gonemobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Raygun provides full-stack error, crash, and performance monitoring for iOS, Android, Xamarin, and more. The next time you're struggling to replicate errors and performance issues in your code base, think Raygun. Enjoy incredibly detailed error and crash diagnostics for every web and mobile programming language, plus performance monitoring to discover the biggest performance bottlenecks impacting your users. Get full-stack error and performance monitoring in one place. Head on over to raygun.com and get up and running within minutes and build better software. And make sure to thank them for sponsoring Gone Mobile. Welcome back to another episode of Gone Mobile. So I realized, John, that we, we haven't done a, anything or a topic around builds at all in a while. Like, I feel like we had a little streak of them a couple of years ago, but, but it's been a while. Like, what are you doing for yeah, builds these days? Yeah, it's been a bit. Uh, you know what? I still have some old things on uh, BitRise. Um, I've slowly migrated things over to App Center, like a, a good Microsoft employee should. Um, you know, it, a mix of those two things, and uh, that that generally you know works out pretty well for me. How about yourself? Uh, I still have a, a, a mix of those two. I mean, App Center is definitely pretty awesome. I mean, internally, we have our own Team City stuff built in, running on our own infrastructure. Um, are you still kind of pimping the the cake side of things too? Yeah, generally that's why my my CI systems haven't really been that um, you know much interest to me in in a sort of a way because everything's in cake, so it kind of just flows from CI system to CI system, no problem. Exactly. So, so I think that's a that's a pretty good lead in for for our guest today because we really want to dig into you know how you build out these pipelines and and make it you know really easy and you know take a lot of the the grunt work out of these things. Um, so so welcome to the show, Dan Siegel. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Absolutely. So, so for anyone who who's not familiar, obviously you're you know you do a lot in the the Xamarin community. You're Xamarin MVP, uh, Microsoft mm-hmm. MVP, and all that. Um, but can you give kind of a, a brief overview of, of the type of stuff that you work on, and probably some of what you're you're known for? Sure. So, uh, you know, I'm probably best known for being uh, one of the maintainers on uh, the Prism library. Um, I've uh, been a, a Xamarin consultant for several years now, so I've seen just a, a variety of different uh, uh, needs in the Xamarin community and, um, you know, I've experienced a lot of pain uh, along the way, as I think a lot of us have. Um, and that's kind of led to the, the great tooling that I've, I've uh, you know, been working on lately. So so let's let's use that as a jumping off point then. Like, like for I guess for for the apps that you were building, um, or maybe like what you were seeing out in you know the apps other people were building in the community, um, you know like what were you observing out in the field that that made you want to to actually build some of your own tools around this? Well, you know one of the big problems that I've had with mobile development for a long time, and I think we've all experienced this, is there's no good way of configuring that application for a specific environment. Um, you know, if you're developing a web application, you deploy that web application and it, you're completely agnostic to the environment that that uh, is going to be running. And you can just update uh, a few settings uh, like in Azure or something and, and you're good. Uh, but there is no way to do that really uh, with mobile. So you have to do that at build. Um, and I've just seen all kinds of really terrible <laughs> uh, things where people are, are checking in, uh, you know, uh, secret values and connection strings and um, all, all these different values that have to do with a, a, an environment that that application is going to run with. Um, and so I wanted to kind of decouple that so that way you have some better code practices and uh, make it a little bit easier to, to iterate. 
So you mentioned things like storing secret, you know, values and stuff like that. Are there any other kinds of common problems that you ran across that you've, you know, accounted for in your the tooling that you've built and, and things that you've seen out in the wild that made you want to develop more of this? Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, uh, you know, the problem, right? Once you start down the path, you, you start realizing, oh, you know, I've got this problem over here, that problem over there. Um, you know, one of the, the more recent ones, you know, uh, with Xamarin Forms 3.0, they came out with CSS, which... I think is pretty fantastic, uh, but it can be really painful very quickly uh, just to apply the same color consistently throughout your CSS. So I said, you know, uh, the web, uh, in, you know, uh, developers have had this figured out for years now, and you've got less in SAS. Um, I've always kind of preferred SAS personally, so uh, and it was a little easier for me to implement that. So I went ahead and, and implemented that for Xamarin Forms as part of the mobile build tools as well. Nice. So, so were the the tools that you ended up building were the did you find that they were largely driven by your own needs and, and projects that you were running or were were there other things that from other people that you were seeing as well? Like, is it a mix? Um, it, it's definitely a mix, you know, uh, definitely the, the core of uh, what is there uh, has been for my own application development. Um, but, you know, I've, I've had some requests that have come in as well that I think really uh, have added to, to the mobile build tools as well. Uh, certainly one of those is going to be uh, in the new uh, version two that's coming out soon. Uh, and, and that's just a uh, release notes. So, you know, let's, let's explore this a little bit more. Let's dive into, to what, you know, what did you actually build here? What, what is mobile build tools and, and what can it all accomplish for someone? Sure. So the mobile build tools, um, you know, kind of give you a little bit of a history <laughs> real quick. Uh, yeah. you know, as I started kind of going through this, um, you know, I, I I guess I like to do things difficult, you know. I, I was using PowerShell, but I'm on a Mac, and you know that that seems a little bit weird. But you know, I, I guess kind of .NET on on Mac seems weird to a lot of people too. Um, so I, I started writing these PowerShell scripts, and uh, you know that that was kind of how I was uh, achieving uh, all of the things that I wanted to do. Uh, and then I started integrating those with uh, MS Build, and that kind of became painful when I wanted to share that because uh, not everybody has PowerShell installed on Mac. Um, so I started investigating, you know, okay, how can we kind of make this uh, very cross-platform friendly? So uh, what I ended up doing was transforming that uh, to actual MS Build tasks. And uh, the really neat thing is, you know, MS Build is like this uh, big, uh, you know, monster that, you know, people are afraid, like they don't understand what it is. I mean, it's so powerful. You can do so much with it. Uh, it's really extensible. Uh, so it just really uh, teaches MS Build a few new tricks um, and, and injects those into your build pipeline. So all you have to do is install the mobile build tools and hit build and away you go. So I mean, you mentioned some of the, the PowerShell stuff and the lack of um, easy portability of that. I'm, I'm curious, you know, besides MS Build Test, did you explore, you know, maybe building add-ons for, for Cake or Fake or anything like that um, besides going to MS Build? Or did MS Build just seem like the, the natural fit for you? Uh, MS Build just kind of seemed a little bit more natural because with Cake, I mean, that's another thing that you have to learn. Um, you know, and I, I know John lo loves cake, obviously, but, <laughs> you know, it's just it's another thing to add. And, um, you know, that that doesn't really work across the board everywhere. Uh, so, I mean, all you do is make a change. And every time you hit build in uh, Visual Studio or Visual Studio Mac, it's going to work and you don't have to worry about anything else. 
Yeah, you know, I think more and more internally, even we're trying to do things, you know, when we can with MS Build, um, and, and you know, Cake is useful for for a lot of things that are maybe more complicated in a build process. But um, you know, I, I kind of like to to hear that you're you're kind of doing it the MS Build way because it's really easy for someone then to just grab a project, you know, hit run MS Build or open it in a IDE and it goes. But I, I'm curious, you know, what. What kind of um, tasks are you actually running in there? And, and like, are most of these just like you know pre-compiled tasks that you're kind of running before whatever the the main magic target that you pick to run before is, or how is that implemented? Yeah, so these are all compiled tasks um, that are uh, added in there. There's a whole bunch of them. So uh, you know, like I mentioned, the 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 real core, the, the the biggest problem I had from the start was how do you handle those uh, secret values uh, that you need for different uh, environments. So um, that was really the, the first thing that I, I tackled. And with that, uh, for local development, you know, I, I thought, you know, why don't we just use a JSON file that I can uh, edit very easily. I can exclude that one JSON file. Uh, and then I have a build task that will generate um, my C sharp class based on the JSON file. And, uh, you know, obviously, if I'm going to exclude that from uh, source control, I need some way of injecting that back in uh, on uh, your CI server. So uh, there's actually a, a way that it can do that. And it, it's evaluating the um, uh, all the environment variables that are created as part of that. Um, so you have uh, tasks there. Uh, and then the same thing, you know, um, you know, I've had a lot of projects, especially in the past year, that are using either Active Directory or Active Directory B2C. And one of the problems uh, inherently with that is you have to include your client ID in your app manifest, um, which means that now you have this tight coupling uh, with a specific instance of AAD, which, you know, again, going back to different environments is not a great thing to do. Um so one of the, the ways that we were kind of handling that is uh, kind of creating this idea of a, uh, a, a tokenized manifest and putting that in a, into a build folder that could then be uh, re-injected at build um, to, to replace that based on environment variables. Um, so that's kind of how it is right now. Um, you know, I also mentioned the, uh, the SAS support in there uh, for CSS with Xamarin Forms. Um, and then, you know, you've got version two, which is going to take that whole tokenized manifest to just a whole new level uh, and, and eliminate uh, two different uh, manifests that you have for the same project. So really looking forward to that one. And I'm kind of curious, like on, you know, not so much the development side of it, but as a, as a workflow or a process, like how are you keeping those, um, you know, secrets and values managed on, you know, a per user basis or on your local system basis? Are you storing them in like, you know, one password or something like that? Like, you know, what do you do to make sure that you don't have to worry about losing those but not committing them to source code? <laughs> um, you know, it just kind of depends. Um, you know, I, I mean, there are so many different options. Uh, uh, you know, generally uh, what I've, I've had is just, you know, it's like, okay, I'm just slacking it to another developer I'm working with and, and then they have it. And if I lose it, then I can always get it back from them. Um, you know, kind of my curse, I guess, is being... Uh, the lead developers, I have access to everything. So if I really lost the values, I just go look them up again. Um, you know? <laughs> uh, but I mean, there there really are a ton of uh, great options, like you mentioned. Cool. I'd actually like to jump back a little bit and take a, I guess, a little bit of a tangent. So not necessarily specifically about mobile tools, but but kind of jumping back to the the MS Build topic for a second. Sure. Um, 
Like I think for for a lot of folks, MS Build is just like one of those things that's it's kind of a black box, right? Like it, it builds your stuff. You know that Visual Studio or some of like maybe Cake or Fake is is calling out to it. Um, but I would hazard a guess that that most folks haven't like called it by the command line or especially haven't built new tasks for it. Um, mm -hmm. Could you speak a little bit to like like what is the experience of like as a developer creating some sort of new target or task for MS Build? Like how do you approach that? Oh boy, that's a really complex subject. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was actually joking earlier this year. It's like you know, you have uh, the MS Build conference, and they don't talk at all about MS Build. Go figure. Um, <laughs> but you know, there are so many steps to uh, really developing a compiled task. So uh, first, you have to actually generate your your task. Uh, you can unit test that to a degree, um, but then you also need to add a targets file. Uh, that's going to call that task uh, and then pass in parameters um, so that there's really so much to it that you, you know, and then you have to think about integration testing. And um, I, I mean, I almost don't know where to start with it. It's such a, a, a deep subject. Um, but, you know, I'll, I'll, the best thing I would really say is if you want to see kind of how to do that is just go to the mobile build tools, Git repo and kind of take a look. There's uh, a lot of great stuff in that. And uh, you can kind of see how, uh, I've kind of abstracted out some of the, the tasks and, and trying to keep them still simple because, um, I mean, you can make things very complex very quickly, <laughs> for sure. Of course. Um, so maybe actually another angle to, to approach that from, too, is, it you know, let's talk through what, what is the process of actually, like, I have a project, I have, you know, my, my Xamarin application, um, I want to start using these tools. Like, what do I have to do? To, to actually add these to like my machine or my project? Like what does that look like to, to now have access to these targets? Um, all you have to do to use the mobile build tools is go to NuGet and install the mobile build tools to your project and you're done. Um, it's going to take care of most of the targets that you want to do. Uh, the only one that it will not do out of the box and, and requires a little bit of setup uh, is for app versioning. Uh, so that's actually another task that's in there I, I did not mention. Uh, so what that'll actually do is update your uh, your build or based on the build number. And that actually works uh, both uh, locally and in CI. So uh, if you're local, uh, it'll use a timestamp. Uh, and then, of course, on uh, a CI server, you have the option to either do the timestamp or use the build number from your CI server. Uh, and it'll update uh, both the iOS uh, and uh, Android build number. So is there some kind of like configuration file or anything like that? Like, do you have to opt into the different tasks that your, your thing runs or does it just kind of know based on, you know, what you might have tokenized set up somewhere or not, you know, like how, how does that work? Sure. So, I mean, it, it does things as intelligently as possible. So if you have a secrets.json, uh, it's automatically going to pick that up and then generate the class. You don't have to do anything other than have that present. Um, it It's going to look... Uh, for any um, uh, any values that have uh, like basically a secret underscore is like the prefix for a generic like your core project, um, and there's a lot of settings that you can do where, uh, like say you have you know multiple like net standard libraries as part of your project and you need to use this in more than one. Um, I haven't run across this uh, personally, but uh, it is extensible to be able to do it. Uh, so you can actually add. Um, a property in your CS proj to tell 
uh, the mobile build tools. For this project, I'm looking for this prefix, uh, and then it's going to look for any environment variables that use that prefix to generate the secrets for that uh, that project. Um, and then there are kind of some like platform versions, like Android secret um, or iOS secret type thing, if if it's a platform specific thing on on uh, your CI server. Um, but it, it's all based on you know just like does this exist or does it not uh, type thing. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it's pretty simple. Uh, like I said, the only one where you really have to add a property uh, by default, and it's all up on GitHub uh, on how to do it. Uh, but there's just one property that you have to add to your uh, CS proj on iOS and Android to get those to do the automatic versioning. So just to to try and and distill that down a little bit, it's like so so it sounds like you have you know in terms of injecting secrets and things like that, you have the the JSON file and stuff that that you can use. Um, mm -hmm. And did you say that you could also use environment variables then? So if you set environment variables, say on your your CI server, um, mm -hmm. mobile build tools could pick up secrets that way too. Absolutely. So, you know, like I said, I mean, the, the whole point is not to be checking these things in. So you don't want to check in that secrets JSON that you're using locally. Uh, so that needs to be recreated somehow. Uh, so, you know, if you have that environment variable on your CI server, it's going to go ahead and, and generate everything for you. And are those configurable or do you just have to follow the, the convention that, that you set in and then things just kind of fall into place? Completely configurable. Um, I mean, it's got more configurations than I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, like one other thing about versioning that you mentioned. So you mentioned that distinction between running it locally, where uh, it sounds like you just kind of pull up a timestamp and use that as a, a pseudo build number, um, mm -hmm. and then the ability to pick up a build number from a CI server. Um, like, mm -hmm. how how does that play with all the different CI servers that are out there? Like, how can you say you know pick up a build number from App Center or Team City or whatever? So um, I'm, I'm, I don't remember if I have support for Team City, but uh, I, I know there's support for like Jenkins and AppVayor and VSTS and uh, uh, App Center, obviously. Uh, so all all I'm really doing is looking for what their default build numbers are, because uh, they all have predefined like here's what our environment variable is for those. Uh, so we kind of use that to try to determine. Uh, what environment we're building in and, and grab that uh, that environment variable. And so in, in terms of functionality, I mean, I think we've covered, you know, versioning and, and uh, build secrets and that kind of stuff. Are we mi missing anything else major that, you know, feature wise? Um, you know, like, like I said before, the, the big things are really coming out in uh, version 2.0 soon. Uh, so that's going to include uh, release notes based on your Git history. Uh, and that, again, is configurable. So you can say, you know, I want the last 10 commits or I only want to look back, um, you know, I want to look back seven days, but I don't want any more than, you know, X number of commits. Um, so you can kind of, uh, you know, generate those uh, release notes dynamically and then pick that up as an artifact if you want. Um, and then uh, what I'm really excited about actually is, uh, like I said, you know, to, to be able to have in-place editing of those app manifests in, in 2.0. So uh, you're just going to have a tokenized uh, manifest in your project. You don't have to maintain a separate one somewhere else. Uh, and then it'll go ahead and, and take care of all the replacements as part of your build. Uh, you, yeah, I mean, you were talking about uh, also SAS before, and I'm, I'm curious if we could dig into that a little bit more. Sure. Um, I haven't played around with, you know, the CSS and Xamarin forms too much yet, but what does that look like for a user? Like, how do I start using SAS? 
So in order to use SAS, all you really have to do is add a couple SAS files to your project. Um, and again, if uh, any of the, the files inside of your project um, are SAS, it's going to uh, evaluate that, go, oh, okay, you have some, uh, let me go ahead and run the task. Uh, and then it'll compile it down. The one kind of caveat to that is uh, that the, the Xamarin form spec on um, kind of like a, you have a style that wants to apply to like all entries, you know, uh, or, you know, all labels or whatever. Um, it's not, it's not valid CSS syntax. So uh, I've kind of created a, a selector. So you can do uh, uh, an any or an all selector uh, on that element, which is valid uh, CSS, and then it's able to compile. Um, and then we kind of do a replacement to make it uh, Xamarin Forms friendly. What are you using for your uh, SAS compiler out of curiosity? I'm actually using the, the real SAS compiler. Okay. Um, so if you like, if you explode the mobile build tools package, uh, you'll and you you dig into it, you'll actually see the uh, the the SAS compiler, the native SAS compiler is bundled in with that. So you don't have to have anything installed on your system to handle SAS or anything like that. Um, it's actually the the reason why I went with SAS is because I could do that. There was a a native uh, you know, friendly uh, uh, compiler that I could ship versus uh, uh, with less. How does that work cross-platform then too? Do you just have different native SAS compilers then for if you're compiling on Windows versus Mac or something like that? Exactly, exactly. So uh, if you go in and, and you take a look at that, again, you know, there's uh, kind of like a C-sharp wrapper to make it a little easier to work with, but like the native uh, C compiler, um, uh, you have uh, the targets, you know, for Linux and for Windows, for Mac. Uh, so I'm I'm just dynamically looking to see, okay, well, what am I running on? And then I, I grab that runtime uh, to use. So, gotcha. And one of the reasons why I'm just always curious about that is I think like one of the packages on on the JavaScript side that we perpetually have the most issues with is like the Node SAS package, which just constantly has issues on Windows and Mac and basically every platform under the sun. Um, yeah. So that's just like been one of the biggest thorns in our side in terms of CI, in, not even mobile, just on our our like JavaScript front end stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you know, it's definitely a challenge to try to figure out like how, how can we make this where there's not a dependency on having that runtime installed because I can't guarantee that I'm going to have it on a build server. You know, I, I can guarantee that I'm going to have it installed and I can tell you that you need to have it installed, but, you know, I don't like... I don't want to have to have another step that, you know, okay, App Center, go ahead and make sure that that's installed or VSTS or whatever. Yep. And then you mentioned the the Android manifest and info plist generation and stuff like that, which I think is really cool. Um, you know, we have a, you know, we have our own white label app system, so I'm definitely no stranger to templating CSproj files, solution files, and those manifest files and everything like that. Um, so in a in a world where you're doing the that generation with um, with mobile build tools, uh, like are you do you still have uh, say an info plist inside of your project that just has sort of templated placeholders and then build tools punches those in, or does it just completely generate that file from scratch each time? So uh, for version 2.0, the uh, the goal here is to have that you know in place, so it's just like any regular project, uh, and you just have all your templated parameters inside um, the file. Um, and then I, very similar to um, 
uh, to the secrets. We're going to have a JSON file, so it'll be manifest.json, uh, and you can put in whatever you need to there. And you know, same exact process where it's going to look at the environment variables to uh, to to do all those replacements on a CI server. Um, but you'll just you'll have that uh, available. So during your build, it's going to look at that manifest.json uh, and do all the regex replacements that it needs to do. Okay, so it's just replacing, uh, like basically placeholders in those existing files, because instead yeah. of trying to generate it from scratch. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's so, what I was curious of, because I couldn't imagine wanting to keep up with all the all the things that you could possibly put in a manifest file or an info plist file. Like no, it's it's just too so complex. Things, it's yeah. too dynamic. You know, uh, I mean, what I need from one app to the next is never the same. So, uh, you know, I mean, if you know, uh, let's just say I'm I'm working on a banking app, uh, and I have Bank of America and Wells Fargo. I mean, uh, they're not going to be completely different. It's just going to be you know this value is different, that value is different uh, to to handle the two different clients. You know, if that's what I'm doing. And and reading between the lines here, you know, for those who aren't aware of the wonderful magic of of MS Build, I'm assuming that would be pretty trivial to make you know a separate build configuration or something where you set the prefix that you want to use in the given case, you know, for for like a white label app or something, right? Yeah. So I, I mean, uh, there are all kinds of different ways of doing it, obviously, and it all depends on which uh, CI server you're using. Um, you know, I mean, you, you could dirt, uh, do like a whole variable group where it's basically building multiple times with different uh, versions of the same variables. So lots of ways to do that for sure. So we we talked about iOS and Android. I'm curious, does this a set of tools working like UWP apps, uh, like Mac OS apps. Does it work really for any kind of app like that? Um, you know, it, it should actually work for Mac OS. Um, I really haven't had anybody ask me about it. Uh, I don't know anybody who's actually working on it. Um, with UWP, uh, the support is a little bit more limited right now. Um, I finally uh, have a client who wants UWP, so I, I can say that uh, I'll be investing a little bit of time over the next couple months to to make that work uh, for some selfish reasons. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, UWP will definitely be coming, um, you know, and will be a first class citizen in the next few months for sure. Cool. And then in terms of, say, Xamarin, iOS and Android, do, do these work, you know, out of the box for, you know, I guess, what are we calling it? Classic, like classic Xamarin iOS and Android and Xamarin forums. Like, is there any distinction or differentiation between those or does it just work? You know, the, the only thing that, uh, it is kind of specific to Xamarin forums is that CSS support. Hmm. Um, right. Uh, everything else is all about the native platform, uh, or is just completely platform agnostic. Um, I mean, realistically with, uh, the mobile build tools, uh, I actually use it in the Prism template pack uh, for, for Mac OS. Um, so, it, you know, it's just all about, okay, well, I need this variable, that variable, and, and that's how I handle the secrets because I don't have to think about it. Is there any sort of, you know, extensibility model built into the package? Like, can I use it as a jumping off point to kind of do my own stuff on top of? Um, I, I, I guess I would maybe ask how you want to use it. Um, there are a few tasks in there that you could conceivably use like um, to to support like UWP, even though I'm not doing it right now, the task is there. Um, 
you know, it's just a matter of kind of providing it the right variables and, and having it run at the right time type thing. Maybe it's a more of a case of, you know, go out and, and look at your code and learn how to do some of your own build tasks with MS Build. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and, and it can be a challenge. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't uh, encourage a novice developer to do it by any means. Um, you're going to spend a little bit of time uh, and there's going to be some frustration, but uh, in the end, it really is worth it. Um, and then I noticed that there, there seem to be a couple satellite packages in there under under the banner of uh, Prism MFractor config, and then there was a, a quick start one, I think. Like, what are those about? Uh, so yeah, this kind of goes back again to like where the, the where it all started from, um, you know, and going back to where I was using uh, the PowerShell scripts and everything. So at the same time, you know, it was all part of I'm developing these brand new templates. Um, for all the net standard at the time, there were no net standard templates for for Xamarin or Xamarin Forms. So, mm -hmm. uh, so I was kind of pioneering that that whole uh, thing, and um, you know I, I really love MFractor uh, in Visual Studio Mac. It's just it's a huge time saver, and uh, you know I wanted to to tailor it a little bit uh, for the templates that I was using, and then if somebody wasn't using uh, one of my templates, they could uh, you know just use it for prism uh so those are kind of in there at this point they probably could come out <laughs> and be their own repo um they're just kind of updated so infrequently i haven't bothered um but yeah so version 2.0 you've you mentioned a little bit about is there any other major stuff coming down the pipeline um trying to think here uh, i don't know if it'll be in 2.0 it may be in maybe 2.1 or 2.2 but uh there's a planned feature as well you know just some more um uh, uh json kind of support so for people who aren't maybe comfortable in going into their cs proj and editing the cs proj um to have just a, a basic settings json that you know they actually could check into source control um to control like how how it's going to behave like you know uh, I want to use uh, the timestamp uh, for my versioning or uh, I, I want to use the build number you know that stuff like that. It's cool. I don't know. More and more, it's uh, you know folks are going to have to get more used to editing CS Proj files now that they've kind of taken all the crazy stuff out of CS Proj files, so they're actually just as yeah. approachable as most other formats these days, right? <laughs> well, at, at least your your core projects, you know, all your net standard projects are, are that way. Um, you know, I would say that the Android and like all your platform projects still, like even like UWP, iOS, Android, they're all still kind of a little obnoxious at the moment. <laughs> That's true. Well, the problem is they don't have to be. That's just what the templates are still sort of generating, right? <laughs> uh, yes and no. I mean, I, I, like, I, I would say I, I know more than the average bear about uh, all the, uh, the CS Proj stuff. And, uh, you know, even I've, I've run into some issues trying to simplify it. And then, you know, I'm like, okay, all of this is correct, you know, in all the, the normal MS build CS Proj stuff. Uh, and then you open it up in Visual Studio and it goes, nope, I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think there's probably a little bit more tooling uh, development that needs to be done uh, before those can really be simplified more. Yeah, for sure. That's always the kicker. Um, so is there anything that we, we missed? Did we miss any you know, cool features and build tools, things that are coming out, anything we should, um, you know, we'll include links in the show notes to, to all sure. the good stuff here, but anything we missed? I'm trying to think here. Uh, I think that pretty much covers it. Yeah. Um, 
there, there's a lot to it. <laughs> yeah, but but what I what I personally like about it is just that whole you know that model of install a NuGet package and you get some MS build tasks and it fits into the tool chain without having to to really learn anything new there. That's that's a pretty awesome approach. Yeah, you know, and like I said, I just wanted to make this as easy as possible, as extensible as possible. Um, you know, and you know, sometimes you know I have people that okay, well, we need to. We just need to start up a new app and we'll kind of start adding to it. Um, so I, I didn't want a couple people to, uh, uh, you know, to Prism or to Xamarin Forms or to anything else. Uh, so, you know, it's just, it's super simple to use. Awesome. Well, Dan, thanks so much for, for coming on the show and, and talking through all this and, and for building some awesome tools. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me. Anytime. And thanks as always to everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile. Thank you.